Welcome to Noggin, the Simple Psychology Podcast, where we discuss scientific research in simple and exciting ways that is applicable to everyone. I'm Ben Rasmussen. And I'm McKay Heaton. And we are your hosts. All right, so I want you to imagine you're 21 in Japan in 1958. World War II has gone. You've lived through some of it. Making a measly $30,000 a year as a contractor. You're building houses, okay? So you're 21, you're in Japan, you're building houses. 30,000 bucks a year. Now I want you to imagine 30 years of hard work. And then, you know, in 1988, you look at your income and boom, it's $150,000 a year. Your income after 30 years has multiplied by five. And so my question for you is, are you happier in 1988 or in 1958? And that's the question we're going to talk about today is it's called the Easterlin paradox. And so we'll explain what that means. And we're going to talk about money, how that relates to happiness and research on money. So I'm super excited to talk about it today because money is something all of us need to use and need to live with you know yeah and it's something most of us worry about to one degree or another as well yeah so we're going to talk about the research as i mentioned before we're going to talk about the easterlin paradox and this comes from a research article by a researcher named easterlin and so this is what his article says it says between 1958 and 1987 real per capita income in japan multiplied a staggering five-fold propelling japan to a living level equal to about two-thirds of that of the united states Consumer durables such as electric washing machines, electric refrigerators, and television sets found in few homes at the start of the period became well-nigh universal, and car ownership soared from 1% to about 60% of the households. So 1% to 60%. That's so many. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And then despite this unprecedented three-decade advance in level of living, there was no improvement in mean subjective well-being. Really? Yeah. And so mean subjective well-being basically is researcher words for you feeling happy. Their subjective feeling of happiness stayed the same. Which is like, what? I mean, most people think, like, yeah, if I make 100K a year, I'm going to be happy. I know lots of people who think that way and who think that. And I've been one of them, you know? Yeah, me too. Totally. So we want to talk about this, how money is tied to happiness and if it is at all and how it is. So the first paper we want to talk about, so interesting. So it's by Brickman, Coates, Janoff, Bullman are the three authors. Sorry about that last name. Don't know how to say it. <laughs> and it's titled Lottery, Lottery Winners and Accident Victims is Happiness Relative. So this was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology in 1978. So a little bit older as well, but it's so great. So the researchers wanted to know if happiness was purely relative. So they took people in completely different circumstances and asked them about their happiness. Paraplegics and quadriplegics were interviewed. Lottery winners were interviewed. And just a side note, the least amount of money that was won by these lottery winners was $50,000. And the most was $1 million. So I think there were seven $1 million winners. 
Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. And and even, you know, that's back in 1978, which is worth a bit more back mm-hmm, then. Yeah. They also interviewed a third group, and they were control subjects. So the interview asked questions to the people who had accidents, paraplegics and quadriplegics, as well as the people who won lottery tickets, like, do you feel like you deserved what happened to you? And do you ask yourself, why me? They also asked them to rate their happiness on a scale of one to five before the event occurred, after the event occurred, the controls were asked their happiness six months prior to being interviewed and their current happiness during the interview. They were also asked how happy they thought they would be in the future. Then in the interview, they also rated ordinary activities like hearing a joke, talking with a friend, eating breakfast, etc. On a scale from one, not pleasurable, to five, very pleasurable. So controls in this experiment only answered questions to do with everyday activities and happiness and background info. So they didn't answer the questions like, why me? Or event-specific questions like, you know, the people who had accidents and the people who won the lottery ticket. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm following so far. Okay, sweet. They interviewed them. They assessed their happiness. What happens? This is exciting. Lottery winners rated everyday activities as significantly less pleasurable. Wow. Weird. Than quadriplegics and paraplegics. Exactly. Weird. Wow. Also, controls and accident victims were significantly higher than lottery winners in their response to past and present happiness. So, I mean, that kind of makes sense with with the accident victims because they were like, oh, yeah, I was happier in the past Mm because it was before my accident, before I was a paraplegic. Yeah. And, and, you know, that makes sense. But what's interesting is lottery winners were significantly higher in their projection of future happiness. The next thing the researchers found was that control participants and accident victims were significantly higher than lottery winners in their response to past and present happiness. So lottery winners rated their happiness as less in the past and in the present. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So paraplegics were happier before, which makes sense, but Mm -hmm. they were still happier in the present too. Happier than the lottery winners at least. Also, the lottery winners were significantly higher in their projection of future happiness. So... With these lottery winners, it reminds me of something that I talked about in a positive psychology class I took. So we're planning on doing a future episode on this, so a little bit of a spoiler here. There's something called hedonic adaptation. So the watered-down version of that is when something happens to you, whether that's good or bad, you will adapt to it. So you buy a new car, you think it's going to make you super happy, but after a few weeks you adjust to it. Same thing with a negative event happening in your life. So people who get in accidents and become quadriplegics or paraplegics they also adapt to that. Things that happen to us don't make us as sad or happy as we think they will, is the idea of hedonic adaptation. So it sounds like with these lottery winners, they're really expecting some future events to make them happier. And I'm sure they did that with the lottery as well. And it looks like they were disappointed with how happy it made them. Yeah, I, t- I mean, that's, that's a great comment, Ben. And I think that's a good thing to bring up because it seems as if these lottery ticket winners are looking to the future for happiness Mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily having it currently, even though they've already won the lottery. 
Like literally, we say that as a saying, like, oh, he just won the lottery. But like right. they literally did. <laughs> and and they're still not as happy in the moment or in the past mm-hmm. as these people who've had major life altering accidents or just these normal people who are just doing their life and mm-hmm. nothing major has happened to them. So wow. That's you know, that's interesting to think about. These people who have this random bucket of money dumped on them aren't necessarily happier than you. Wow. So the questions I thought some of our listeners might have for this is, should I avoid making money? Because you're like, oh, money doesn't make you happy. It makes you sad. Like, eh, no, I don't think that's the right answer, but Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it. So stay tuned. Also, another question I thought you might have is, so so money isn't tied to happiness at all? And that's also a no, but we'll talk about it. Right. So, Ben, let's talk about the second research article. Yeah, so paper number two is called How Money Buys Happiness, Genetic and Environmental Processes Linking Finances and Life Satisfaction. So this is by two researchers named Johnson and Kruger, published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology back in 2006. So the researchers wanted to know how our financial situation affects our life satisfaction. They also wanted to know how our perception of control over our financial situation affects our life satisfaction. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) So not only how does money affect our happiness, but how does our ideas and our thoughts and our feelings towards money affect our happiness and our life satisfaction? So the researchers recruited 719 twin pairs and asked them questions about their income, assets, overall financial situation, their attitude towards their situation, how much control they felt like they had over life, and finally, how satisfied they were with their lives. Wow. I love twin studies. I'm so excited (laughs) to hear this. (laughs) Yeah, so this is where the genetic component comes in. So in the research world, twin studies are extremely useful because with fraternal twins, they have the same DNA that regular siblings have. They're just born at the same time. And identical twins, of course, have the same DNA. So it kind of takes the genetic variation factor out of a lot of these experiments, which is what the researchers are going for. So since these participants are all twins, They can find things out about genetic factors versus environmental factors, which is what these researchers are going for. They wanted to know how your environment affected your happiness and the environment here being how much money you have and your thoughts about money, not necessarily just your genetic predisposition to be a happier person. Exactly. So since they had the exact same DNA, they all had the exact same chance of being a happier person or a sad person or whatever. Right. Yes. Okay. So yeah, once again, in the field of positive psychology, there's this theory that our happiness is made up of different chunks. So if you think of a pie chart, there's a pretty big chunk of the pie that is genetics. So our biology, our genes that are passed down to us from our parents, how susceptible we are to depression or anxiety or to be extremely happy. Another chunk is our circumstances, things that are happening around us. And then another chunk is things that we choose to do. So some of our happiness, we don't necessarily have a ton of say in, but a large chunk of it, we have a lot of control over. That's something important to keep in mind as we talk about this twin study. And one thing that's important to note about this sample is that although this sample included individuals who were below the median national income, this sample was slightly wealthier than the overall national median. So it included a lot of participants who were below the median national income, but on average, they're a little bit higher. So that's just something to be aware of. So the researchers interviewed all these participants and they found that there was a very weak correlation between household income and life satisfaction. 
It was actually, of all the correlations they ran, it was one of the weakest correlations. Interesting. So income did not determine life satisfaction. Right. Not, 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 not strongly. Maybe weekly. Maybe there's a little bit, but not a lot. Right. So one thing to keep in mind with this study as well is they were not able to prove causality. Causality meaning that one thing causes the other. Correlation is not causation. Yeah, so there was a very weak correlation between household income and life satisfaction. Also, the correlation between household assets and life satisfaction was even weaker. So it mattered even less how much stuff you have. Your net worth didn't really matter that much. <laughs> didn't matter how many Lamborghinis you had in your garage. Yeah, it didn't matter for these people. So the two strongest correlations with life satisfaction were perceived financial situation and perceived control over life. So the subjects in this study who perceived that they had more control over their finances and more control over their life in general had higher life satisfaction than those that thought their financial situation and their life were out of their own control. So what could have happened, this is just a hypothetical situation, you could have been rich, very rich, right. but your ideas toward your money or your financial situation was, oh, it's out of control. I don't, I'm like, I'm not making enough money. And that led to lower life satisfaction. Right. And the researchers specifically mentioned that there could be two people who make $50,000 a year, but they can have varying degrees of life satisfaction depending on how they feel about that income. Interesting, because you could be a starving college student who's making 12 grand a year, and then you get a great job and you're making 50K and you're like, whoa, I'm rolling in the dough. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that totally happened to me and my wife. We were living in <laughs> this tiny apartment, one bedroom. Our bed took up most of the room. We had the <laughs> kitchen that shared with the bathroom, and it was, just, it was just so small. And then we move into this two-bedroom apartment, and I call it the mansion because... <laughs> We've got a closet and we don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one thing to keep in mind too, once again, is that correlation is not causation. We can't say with this study that having more money causes you to think a certain way about money or thinking a certain way about money causes you to have a certain amount of money. But what the researchers can say is that people who feel they have control of their finances and feel financially well off tend to have higher life satisfaction than those who feel more negatively about their finances, even if they make the same amount of money which is still a very important finding. Very important for everyone to take note now because that can change how you think about money in the future and right now. And that's going to change potentially what jobs you take, what jobs you do, what, what you're willing to work for, how long you're willing to work. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. And another thing to keep in mind too is McKay asked the question, does money matter at all? And the answer is yes. So a question I had while reading this paper is what about people in poverty? And this is an important distinction to make with this research. At lower income levels, increasing income does increase life satisfaction. So when someone is better able to feed, house, and clothe themselves and potentially their family, they are likely to be more satisfied with their life than someone who is struggling to feed themselves. So in another study that I read, they quoted the general social survey. And uh, this general social survey asked, taken all together, how would you say things are these days? Would you say that you are very happy, pretty happy, or not too happy? After all these participants answered this question, they separated them based on their income. There was an under $20,000 group, $20,000 to $50,000 group, a $50,000 group to $90,000 group, and a $90,000 group and over. 
So what's interesting is that the fifty to ninety thousand dollar group and the ninety thousand dollar group and over were almost the exact same. The most different number was only like two point one percent difference. So they're all yeah, like the same, which is crazy to me. I guess there was a bigger difference, which is what you were saying earlier about how like money can buy happiness to mm-hmm. a certain extent, you know? It shows in this survey for the under $20,000 group because there were actually a lot more people that said they were pretty happy. 60% of them said they were pretty happy as opposed to, you know, like the 50% in the $98,000 and over. So significantly yeah. more as well as there significantly more people said they were not too happy and significantly less people said they were very happy in this under $20,000 group. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. So this survey supports what you said that money does buy happiness to an extent, you know, but the $50,000 group and to $90,000 and $90,000 and up were almost the exact same. So it's to an extent. Right. Yeah. So it's going to bring you happiness and then you hit a certain level and it's going to really taper off. Exactly. I mean, and those people in the $90,000 and over group, those are like millionaires. You know, there's like <laughs> people who are multi-millionaires and they have the same happiness as someone who's got $50,000 a year right. coming in, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's one thing that popular media can sometimes get right. I see all the time articles about the magic income that will make you the most happy. And in the articles I read, it's generally in the sixty dollars to $70,000 a year range, which lines up with this study. Totally. So does money matter? Yes, it does. We're not trying to say that money doesn't matter and that you shouldn't worry about it. But we're also not trying to say like, only worry about money. If you're rich, you're going to be happy. We're not saying that either because that's not what the research suggests. The research is suggesting that people who have a perceived control over their finances tend to have higher life satisfaction. Yeah. So once you get to a certain income level, the happiness that that's going to bring you is going to taper off extremely. But what can improve your life satisfaction is looking at your money in a different way. So instead of thinking to yourself, um, if I just made a little bit more money, I'd be able to buy this thing and then I'd be happy. Because the reality is that working harder to get that extra income isn't going to do that much for you. The thing you're going to buy isn't going to bring you that much more happiness. But feeling in control of your life and feeling like what you have is enough and just getting by with that, if you're above a certain income level, is going to be what brings you the most life satisfaction. Totally. And I love what you said about buying things. So that's a sneak peek for our next episode because this is going to be a two-part episode. We're going to talk about what to do with money next time and what types of spending makes us happier. But I think what I gained from this episode is that budgeting is probably a good thing to do because I think budgeting for me is a great way to feel secure in my financial situation because I know where my money's going and I know like, oh yeah, I'm spending this much on rent. I'm making this much. I'm spending this much on groceries and it is tedious. Do I like doing it that much? No, not a ton, but (laughs) I, I think it does add to my overall life satisfaction because I know that I can make ends meet because I'm allocating that money to a certain place. Right. It just feels good to know where your money's going. It also feels good to know that, hey, the money that I'm making, the money that I have is enough for me. Yeah, totally. That's one of my takeaways is to try and budget a bit more 
and a bit more consistently and maybe a bit more strictly because it's real easy to mm. not just <laughs> to, to plan on doing it and then just throw it out the window. Right, yeah. My takeaway is similar to what I said earlier. If you're above a certain income level and you aren't that group of income that's struggling to make ends meet and struggling to feed and clothe yourself, the reality is that making more money isn't going to do that much for you. So instead of thinking, how can I make more money or how can I buy these things? It might be better for you to just change your attitude about the finances you have and just kind of realize that this is enough. Money doesn't buy happiness. It's a cliche. It's true. But the reality is that, as we'll talk about in the next episode, spending your money on others, giving to charity, having meaningful experiences instead of buying things is going to bring you more happiness. Yeah, so we're super excited to talk about money next episode and go through those two more articles in detail that talk about what is going to make us happy with our money. But I would love to invite you guys that are listening to really think about what are my thoughts towards money? And do I feel like I am in control of my finances? Do I feel like my finances are enough? And when you question that, really try to consider some changes if you feel like you have an unhealthy view towards money. And I'm not a financial expert, so I can't tell you how to think about money. I'm not a counselor either. <laughs> but uh, I would encourage you to find people who can help you if you need changing or to find ways to change. Maybe reading a book or maybe going to people like Dave Ramsey or maybe going to an emotional counselor if you have an issue with like overspending. Mm -hmm. So anything like that, I would love for you guys to check out and see and do. And so another thing too is the reality is that economic crises and financial struggles do happen. So if you are in that boat of someone who is struggling to make ends meet or needing to work three jobs just to pay the bills, it's important to recognize that that struggle is real. And it's important for those people who do have enough to make ends meet that they reach out and give a lending hand to those who are struggling to make ends meet because the reality is that's going to make both parties happier. And if you are struggling to make ends meet, think about how you can change your situation. And if you can't change your situation, think about how you can cope better with that situation, whether that's going to uh, a loved one and just talking about it or going to a counselor and getting some help with that. Because like the research shows, not having enough to make ends meet can be a really big detriment to your life satisfaction. been listening to noggin the simple psychology podcast thank you for listening to our show we really appreciate it we have shared with you only a few articles of the thousands that have been published on this subject though we wish we could go more in depth we hope you've enjoyed our introduction and interpretation of this topic we don't claim to know everything but we have shared with you our takeaways from reading this research i'm mckay and i'm ben and we hope you have a great rest of your day